welcome to the very Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, the podcast all about board games, board games and the people who love board games. Today we've got a double whammy, two games back to back. It's me and Ava Foxfort. Hello, I'm a double whammy. We're quadruple whammy, whammy in that case, and if we're doubling it up again, then it's it's 16 times whammy bonus <laughs> multiplier. Anyway, the important thing is we've got two games, two pretty hot little games, and we've both played them both, and we're going to get into it. And I know for a fact that one of these games we disagree on quite a lot. Oh, it's spicy. Let's get digging in. First game on this list today, we're going to be talking about Altree a little bit later, a cooperative fantasy game based on a RPG of the same name, I believe, which has some beautiful art and some fun experiences. And we're going to be talking about Libertalia, the winds of Galecrest, Seacrest, winds of <laughs> winds of Galecrest seems a bit silly because that's like double wind. Can a gale crest? I don't know. Crest isn't a wind. Is crest a wind? Crest is the top of something. But a gale is... is uh... Gale is wind, a wind, and crest mm-hmm. is the top of something. So a gale crest will yeah. be like a mountain peak that's got a lot of wind around it. Well, I feel or the like crest of the gale, so it's on top of the wind. There must be a top of a wind because wind isn't infinite. So when there's wind, there must be a top bit and a bottom bit. We just can't see it. Yeah, but with science, I bet they could. Which makes sense because it is top of the to wind. Be sky pirates, but um, we've that got a bit carried true. away here. Ah, that's clever. So, Libertalia. This is a kind of re-box, re-make, new edition of a beloved, piratey, nasty little classic. Now, it's been picked up by Stonemaier. It hasn't been in print for absolutely ages, and it's something that back in the day we used to recommend an awful lot, and we haven't done for a long time just because it's been absolutely unavailable. So, when we got this new version... I was initially very excited because I thought, great, finally, Libertalia, it's back. People can actually buy it. And they brought it back with some new breezy artwork, some nice new components and some tweaks and changes to the rules that sharpened the things up a little bit, added some new things and also added in a mode to play it solo or two player more conveniently and better. These are half of these words are words. I, however, I'm just going to refused to bury anything today i however was quite disappointed with this uh this version of the game because i felt that i didn't enjoy the aesthetic and tonal shift as much as i expected to however i know that ava did yeah so that's interesting why don't you jump in and talk about what you like about this new edition so like libertari is an interesting one for me because i absolutely loved it like uh, it was a very early purchase for me in my gaming career and it was something that was just like always a riot do we should explain it quickly right you can't assume yeah, that people yeah. know what's going on no i was thinking that as well and i thought yeah i thought i thought oh i just want to get straight into the the aesthetic wars but no let's explain how the game works yeah 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 yeah. because i think at least some fundamental is really useful because it is a, i think i think your problem is going to be with like how it gels with the aesthetics and so i think it's worth talking about the actual rules so libertalia is a game where at the beginning of the game everyone gets a hand of cards and everyone has the same hand of cards and then proceeds to with that hand of cards play cards into the middle which is a little boat and you put things on the boat that is pirates all going on a raid and they are working as a team but they're also grabbing stuff for themselves now 
All of the wrinkle in this comes from the fact that these cards are all ranked, so there's numbers from 1 to 40 or a different number if you're in the sequel. You order them on the deck, and then they all take actions from lowest ranking to highest ranking, but then they all take goods from the little stash of booty that they found in reverse order of going from the highest ranking to the lowest ranking. So you've immediately got this thing where you are weighing up these two options. Also, the actions that can, are available on these cards are like often absolutely ridiculous and all about like pushing cards around, kicking people off the boat, killing people randomly, not taking booty, taking booty, like jumping in line and generally shifting the shape of everything. And the core of this is the fact that because everyone starts with the same cards, you know that everyone is playing the same mind game. And you don't have to worry about... What I always found is one of the reasons why I really, really, really like Libertalia right from the off was just that, like, I always get caught on wanting people to understand everything in the game before we even get started. And I want to be able right. to... And most people just say, hey, let's just learn as we go. And then cry halfway through when dice. you absolutely try trounce them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which isn't always true. But... With that happening, it's always frustrating when a lot of cards in a game have unique powers that interact in very specific ways. It's one of the weaknesses with Cosmic Encounter for me is the fact that you need to understand the game very, very clearly to understand precisely how certain effects work. And if you don't, you can mess up quite a lot. And if you ask a question about what you're doing, everyone knows what you're doing. And it's very, very, very yes. obvious. Alternatively, though, I would say, because I've been thinking about this since episode 200, if you haven't listened to it yet, I think it's a real corker. I think poor Ava got hard done by in terms of trying to get their personal suggestions in. But I think a lot of the stuff that got into it, you probably agree with. So I think all in all. But anyway, I just had a lot of fun recording it. I think it's a really good listen. But we talked about Cosmic, and I'm just going to briefly add an addendum to that in the fact that I think that you're completely bang on about that, right? You have to have a good understanding to really appreciate it. Or no one has any understanding of it. And I think that's why I liked it so much, was having all these people learning it as they go, having no idea what was in this box, having rules being like, you're not allowed to look at the other aliens. We'll find out what they are as they get revealed in the games. Yeah. And that meant that all of the issues of the specific times and timings of things didn't really come up because no one really knew what they were doing. So we kind of just worked it out as we went. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. It definitely please. works in chaos mode as well. You either need to go full order and explain everything or full chaos. Yes. And yeah, and as someone, who's Anything like in always trapped in between those two things like sometimes mm -hmm. that's tricky sometimes i have a great time sometimes i don't uh, but libertalia gets you over that little hump because every card is in front of every person so anyone at any time can ask about a card and it helps everyone at the table because it means everyone at the table understands that card better and it doesn't necessarily give anything away because you might just be asking to figure that out so you know that you do actually want to play something else because you might be asking about what you think someone else is going to do Mm. and that's really smart and like other than that like you do this three times in a row three different ships like there's a load of, of, of gubbins in there like there's complicated rules about graveyards and discard piles in the first one and there's a lot of fiddly detail and this is the key of why i really liked this version of libertalia is that like a lot of the things that you could get confused about a lot of the things that were kind of missing from the rule book um and the mm -hmm. one card that there was like a enormous online argument about whether it worked this way or that way that as far as i can Ooh. tell was never quite resolved all of those problems have gone like every rough edge has been smoothed off this yep so 
that was my initial feeling about Libertalia. I, when I, the, the original came out, I absolutely loved it. The more I played it, the more I found it a little bit dull. Not dull, but like kind of predictable. And actually, like once you've seen four brutes come out and all knock each other out of the boat in a row, like that's hilarious the first everything. time. But when it becomes inevitable, once you start getting used to the chaos actually there's ways through the system that are just like in most cases this sort of thing is going to win yeah. and you can predict a bit too much for something that should be a bit like holding a cutlass and 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 freaking people out so i'd gone off it for those reasons because i found it like just a little bit too fiddly um uh, to teach and even with the cards thing there was still like oh i don't quite know how to explain that in a way that works um I'd gone off it and then I saw this and I was like, that is what I've been wanting for a long time and maybe it's time to go back to Libertalia and I, let's go back to what you want to talk about. I do like the aesthetic. It's very, um, it's not quite anime Sky Pirates, but no. it's in that direction. It's a little, it's not, it's not cell shaded, but it feels like it's going in that area in the way it's of texture. It's soft, I think. I, yeah. I would describe the aesthetic as soft. Um, and uh, both in terms of the like the, the the palette of colors used, but also in terms of the style, it's it's very much like simple figures. Um, and I really love the box. When I saw the box, I thought, oh wow, this is lovely, like bright skies. Particularly having played a lot of Sea of Thieves uh, during the pandemic, and having I say not during the pandemic, it's still obviously out there, um, but during the lockdown areas, and it's just like having games where it's like, yes, you're a pirate, but look at these amazing bright skies and blue seas. Like this is beautiful. This is airy. This is lovely. And yet, I found that the character designs on the cards themselves just felt a little. <sighs> I want to say rushed, but I feel like that's rude and I don't know if that's true, but I, I just felt like there wasn't much character within them. There wasn't much definition of like, oh, I'm getting a real sense, especially compared to the probably borderline libellious artwork of the original game, you know, because I think that the original game really did tap into that. You've seen a film about pirates, haven't you? Um, in the fact that it was very much like gritty, uh, buttoned up, beardy, scarred people that you thought, oh, yeah. And it also, you know, that, that sense of, oh, it's a horrible pirate film was amplified by the fact that the artists had clearly just like copied faces of famous people for a bunch <laughs> literally, of pirates. Literally, like, Daniel like, Day-Lewis appears that... in this game without yeah, any of his consent, yeah, yeah, yeah. like quite clearly. Yeah, there's and other people who are like, that's definitely a character actor that I've seen in something, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, but it really does feel kind of gritty and orrid and piratey in a way that I feel like, you know, you, you can have a much more airy, floaty, piratey world. Skies of Arcadia would be a great example of that. But I just feel that it doesn't quite nail any of the bitiness in terms of... Because it is a bitey game, right? Yeah. A lot of the cards in this game, because you get dealt a hand of the same cards at the start of the game, but then you also get new cards each round but you all get the same ones as well there's a randomization element and a lot of the cards a few of the best powers are things that you can only do if you're the only person who's doing it mm. or you can only do if you're the only person who still has that card in play and 
that leads to such nastiness and such sneakiness of people really trying to hold back until everyone else's uh, special character is dead so that they can play theirs and get all of the bonuses. And it's things like that, and it's things like knocking people off the boat, uh, pushing in front of order, forcing people to take cursed artifacts when they really don't want to. It's it's good-spirited mean, is the way I would describe it. Of like, well, you know, it's it's very much like Long John Silver's character in Muppet Treasure Island. He's like, oh, it's he's he's a, a bastard, but he's a very likable bastard. And if you didn't expect him to be a bastard, well, it's your fault. He was obviously a bastard, <laughs> and you really you really should have seen it coming. There's no reason to be annoyed about this. Yeah, and, and um, the and the new characters who are mostly like anthropomorphic animals. Uh, uh no, anthropomorphic. Yeah, that's the way I read. The new characters who are mostly anthropomorphic animals are all like, they are friendly, they are cute. Like they almost feel like, I think really what I'm thinking of in terms of the art style is like the uh, various, uh, the breath of the wild creatures, right? So it's almost like uh, they look a little bit Zora-y, like there's a lot of long gangly people and uh, who are still quite lithe and like, and yeah, I think you, I think it's fair to say there's not as much character in there because there is just a a softer this is the aesthetic of the whole place rather than this is who this person is and yeah i want to see daniel day lewis as a vole you know <laughs> where's that <laughs> and like shaving off these rough edges in the art does kind of tell you something about what the game is going for and like there is things like mm. the the new version comes with two sides to the board so there's like a stormy side and a calm side and the calm side like removes some of the ability to kill your neighbor's stuff within the game and that's weird right because that is very much the point <laughs> of the game and so like just turning it into a more like simpler economic simulation puzzle is weird and it doesn't actually take that out completely because it's still in some of the cards but it also makes some of those cards yeah. you're talking about that are like be the last one with this card much harder to land Except mm -hmm. by just really, really knowing how the game works and being able to wait for people to get tempted to do it. And then, yeah, it's it's interesting. It has got the thing of, because they have added a load more cards to it and because they've shaved off mm -hmm. some of the, the, the like trickier bits of the last ones and some of the problematic bits of the old ones, um, they have ended up with even more variants from game to game of what sort of game you are going to be getting. And it, I think it is now, I would say from the couple of games that I've played that it is now significantly more possible that you are gonna end up with either a game that is a little bit too tame or a game that is a little bit too wild, whichever side right. of the board you're using. Um, and okay. that's, that's a bit of a puzzle for me. My first game of this, I was so, so delighted by like how smooth it was how much easier to teach it was how everything was really signposted very clearly on the boards and how everything felt cleaner and clearer and easier to get people into it so it absolutely dealt with what i was struggling i'd with. like to dig into that just a little bit more for a moment because i played a bunch of um a bunch of libertalia on board game arena mm. and not that long ago but i would struggle to um, really identify some of the specific ways in which it's easier to teach or what rules have they changed specifically? Could you just remind me? I think a lot of it is about layout and explanation rather than changing rules. The main specific change 
the main specific change, which isn't part of what I'm talking about here, so it's kind of a little bit off mm-hmm. topic, but the main specific change is that in the first edition, all of the cards had a rank, so the uh, captain was always 30 or whatever, um, but also there was kind of like a sub-rank for each player. Yeah. So with the six decks of cards that come with the game, someone would have the best captain and someone would have mm-hmm. the worst captain and then there'd be layers in between. So you've but their got parrot to, was the best. Yeah, yeah, so you've got to remember which order order to put those in after you've put them in order. Um, and it's externalised that from the cards and make that another currency that you can get. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, of course it has, yeah. Yeah. I, it's basically something that allows you to be like first. You could do a thing that'd be like, now I'm going to win tides. Yeah, exactly. Like instead of having it tied to the cards and thus having it so that just some hand are just going to be fundamentally worse than others for certain people yeah and even if that's balanced across multiple games it's not going to be balanced in your game it adds no. more cards that affect reputation which is this little track that mm-hmm. says i'm going to win ties in this direction i you're gonna you're gonna lose them so you've got this extra almost currency that is like how much are you likely to win ties and that is a smooth solution it's really smooth i i sort of like it but it also makes a lot of the cards more boring, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. just because the fun bits of this game aren't I have now got a slightly better position for winning the next hand. It's I just killed you and destroyed something that you've been working on for the last yeah. five ha- cards, right? You know, I think this is really interesting and I think that like my despite my going, oh, I don't really like the style and the theming. I don't think it works as well with the with the tone of the game. My biggest thing that I don't like, if I'm honest, is not that. The biggest thing I didn't like was the new Jolly Rancher plastic pieces that you used for. And, and I could see your face uh, opening up in shock slash monks the scream at this at this revelation because they are lovely. Right. But. And I understand, and this is it, I understand exactly why they are like that, you know, from an actual usability perspective, from uh, problems with the game, having all of these tokens being identical in terms of touch, so when you're pulling them out of a bag, it is truly random, etc. if you're worried about that. But I felt like by turning these into abstractions, even though they're lovely little printed logos in different colours, I felt like it was turning something that was previously little treasure maps, little cutlasses, little gems that were all different shapes and sizes into cubes. You know, it was it was abstracting them uh, by the method of just turning things into colors and symbols. And I felt like I was missing that texture of every of every, every bit of loot, even though some of it was good and some of it was bad. Every section had the same number of things. They were all the same size, the same shape. And I just felt like it didn't, I felt like the actual process of looting, of taking the treasures, was less exciting because of the lack of texture. I think yeah. you might be a weird, a weird one thing, there. I and I would also say, I don't think the pieces were the same, were different sizes and shapes. Like, I think that that's inaccurate. I think they were all the same size so that you could randomize, randomly pull them from the bag. The art on them would have been different shapes within the space that they were in, but they can't have been different sizes. Really? Yeah. I thought they were... Spe- oh, maybe I've misremembered it. Yeah. And like I can see what you are saying. Like I think that there is there's there's a vividness to the art of those old ones and the new ones because they're a bit more stylized, so that they can mean different things in different setups and presumably exactly. leave space exactly. for expansions. There is a 
I think that there is something missing from that, and it's something that's there with the whole thing. All of the smooth, the, the rough edges have been smoothed off, and if what you liked about this game was rough edges, there is going to be something to disappoint you there. But I do think for most people, like grabbing those, to just to to be clear for people at home, like we're talking about the kind of like opal fruit shaped tokens azul you, style yeah. tokens, like the little. Plastic yes. melamine, like heavy, chunky, good square, good colours, nice bit of a nice bit of um, decoration on them, and they are less piratey, right? They are less thematic. Yes, that's the like, thing. Is absolutely, they've got, they're less they've got nice iconography on them, but the iconography is sort of done in a more consistent manner. And I think it's just the fact that, like you know, the swords don't feel as swordy, the curses don't feel as cursed, yeah. like. That, you know, the, the objects in, in original Libertalia felt like, oh, that's a bit nasty, that's a bit horrible. And I think that within that context of using those those shapes of plastic, there were things you could do to make make the things that are dangerous or the things that are nasty feel more dangerous or nasty using the same materials and the same um, processes. But I just feel like, again, I feel like it's really interesting to me because I'm realizing now to bring things back, as I always do, to the... Um, you know, it's like it's like the Bible for me. You know, to bring it back to Muppet Treasure Island as a, as a kind of set of analogies, we have you know, are you a lifelong pirate going on many many cruises and trying to refine your career? In which case, the new Libertalia is probably what you want. It takes off some of the edges, it gives you some new things, it smoothens it all out. And you know what? If you've played it tons and tons and tons, the theme is probably slightly rubbed off and faded away into oblivion at this point anyway. You're not going to be feeling that same excitement as, as you say, of like a bruiser knocking someone into the water. Whereas for me, I think I love Libertalia in many of the same way that we recommend lots of games on Shut Up, Sit Down as being like you're the little rats on the bottom of the ship who are going on a lovely cruise in Muppet Treasure Island. You're just having a little brief foray into that world. And it's so much fun because it is like this wild, wacky thing that you just teach to people and you play a few times and maybe that's it. Maybe you just teach to people, play it three times, and then you teach some other people to play it three times. And for me, I just found it like an expert um, game in terms of building theme and bitiness into into quite a simple card game um and i I, i'm it's i kind of feel like it's a shame that both aren't available you know because i think that if you could get the original still and you could get this then i feel like that would be perfect because it's like do you want the smooth version that you can keep playing forever or do you want the version that's a bit rough around the edges and as you say in some regards now has not aged well but without that with it just being the only one it's like oh this is clearly still a good game. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun playing it. It's clearly a solid game. But I didn't love it in the same way I loved the original. And I found that a shame because I really wanted to recommend it. But I realized that actually a lot of the stuff I had to say about it was just like, oh, you know, I think it's a, it's clearly an improvement on the formula from the original for those who love the original. But I was hoping for a way to introduce people who'd never play the original to some of that original magic. And I don't think it's quite the same. Mm. I will say, like, with your thing about the tokens, in the old game, routinely, whenever anyone picked a saber, they would poke it towards the other person. It was still just a little round token, but they would always poke it. Never happened with the little melamine tokens. They just take them and say they're going to do it. So there is something to that. Exactly. What I think, one of my big conclusions, and one of the reasons why I did want to make sure that we talked about this at some point, is just to say that, like, as someone who has not always got on with Stone Mayer games, like I'm a bit um, 
undersold on quite a few of the games that people uh, rave about with uh, with that company. Um, I would love to see them do more of these reprint type things. Like, I think there's something missing in the industry where Fantasy Flight games used to be like very good at curating. Yeah old games and bringing them back into print in new versions with variations with rules clarified with everything tidied up and lots of different versions that you could do with that and that doesn't really happen that's not really their thing anymore and um i thought that stoneman did a pretty good job of smoothing this off and making an old game work for a more modern audience and yeah i would like to see them do more of that because i think that 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 their production quality being put into more old games could bring back some classics i think i 100 percent agree and i wouldn't want my miserly oh i want the pirates to be mean to (laughs) to make them feel like if they do something like this again that they behave in a way which is much more uh careful because i think that actually it is a wonderful opportunity to take an old design and give it a completely new look and a new feel. I just feel like there's some crossover where it's like, what tone do you need to keep? What things do you need to stay in place? Um, but at the same time, it's so much more interesting than just getting what you would have in the world of video games, for example, where you just get your HD remaster, you know, of having people taking something and bringing it back. <laughs> it's just a continued problem with board games and the fact that, like, you know, availability of stuff is yeah. is tricky. So you can't, you know, it's like, you know, in, to, to make the same comparison in video games, it's like, hey, if you don't like the remake, just go and play the original. Yeah. Like, because most of the time you can do that. But obviously we don't have the capacity really to emulate old board games in a in a physical sense but hopefully in a holographic future we will it's double whammy time we're on to the second whammy i hope you've all finished your first whammy because it's time to begin chewing on the second one Altry. Now, Altry is a cooperative game, which I didn't realize is in the same world universe as a role-playing game also called Altry. And this became quite clear quite early on when I started playing it, when it started using words that I didn't know what the words mean, uh, which is always a very classic, uh, you are doing a fantasy thing in an RPG world, because it's just like, well, why has it got a different name when it looks exactly the same and appears to be exactly the same as the thing is in normal world words? Um, And also I thought, gosh, this game is beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous, mm. stunning in every way. What a what an incredible production! It's, it's a ridiculous production, isn't it? Like one of the first things I thought about this is that I assumed that we'd received like a Kickstarter version with all of the fancy bits added in, and was like looking at trying to look up what the standard version was. And it's like, no, this is this is just the game. This is just how it's published. It's got these little wooden knights that are screen print, uh, printed yep. onto the side in like colourful cartoon things, so that you're moving around yeah. these pieces. They're big and chunky. Like there's a Chronicles deck that is a deck of cards that's like a book printed on the front and you open it up and look at the two pages together i've just done a lot of hand gestures to explain what that means so i've no No, idea if that will carry through in a podcast but if you've ever played or seen the um arkham horror living card game in the way that it has things but it does it in a much more beautiful way than that Uh, but it's like this you open up the book you turn the page and then you flip the next card over as if you're turning the page and effectively it's a book. It's always on the left-hand side. You've got some writing and maybe some things that happen or some outcomes or some things you have to do. And then on the right-hand side, you always get a nice picture. Yeah. 
really nice picture, a bit of illustration of what's going on in the big overarching story. Yeah, yeah. And so all of the cars are gorgeous. They're so nice. The, just, that, oh. This is it, right? Oh. You're talking about the pieces, stunning, but the card backs, everything. Oh my word, like it's just dripping with style. The graphic design is perfect. The art, I believe, is Vincent Dutre, uh, who's done a whole bunch of stuff, did a fantastic job on the um, uh, remake of Atlantis Rising, is it? Um, which was a surprisingly solid, oh no, everything's sinking, let's work together and try and fix it, um, remake of an old game of the same style. And it is very good. I'm just going to go out there and say this. I think Ultra is very good. Um, I again, I, I wasn't super keen on the usage of language and being like, I don't know what that means, but it didn't really matter because it actually we just ended up leaning into it and using these words in conversation in ways that didn't make sense, pretending that we knew what they meant, <laughs> which was fun. You have eight different characters, all of whom really do both drip with character and also are completely blank slates who don't really have any special features. Um, and the fact that you get these nice little printed wooden knights for each of the eight characters, because you can't play this game with eight people, right? But it's like, in most games, you'd just be like, yeah, there are four colors. Just choose a color, choose a character. But going that far to be like, no, each of these characters has an individual unique piece. Um, it's interesting, isn't ridiculous. it? Because it makes the whole thing feel like it's a love letter to something that I've just got to know nothing about. Like it's, <laughs> right? it's obvious. I wondered if you did know something no, about No, no, no. I but know nothing no. about this. I'm just like French RPG. I didn't know there were French RPGs. Obviously, there's going to be French RPGs and I was aware of that. But it was like, oh, someone's made a board game of a thing I've never heard of. That's interesting. Yep. And like this oozes a particular character like the Vincent Dutre art on the board and and characters in various various bits of it is absolutely this warm oversaturated kind of blurry nostalgic yeah. haze over everything the characters are they are they they must I'm sure that these characters have loads of characters somewhere and it's not there in yes. this game which is great because it means that you get to project that into there very very easily and what you're saying you've already said like yeah there's words that don't make sense because they should be called something else because you know what they would be called normally but not worrying about that means that you can you just automatically just start saying the thing and then that brings just even a, even if you're even if you're doing that taking the taking the piss out of the thing that you're doing even if you're doing that mocking the thing that is there mocking that fantasy you're still actually sneaking a little bit of that world building in you're still sneaking into the role of the game and like that is what I quite liked about this is it felt like a game that really wanted to get out of your way in as many ways as possible to allow you to just be telling a silly friendly warm story in a french fantasy worlds and yeah yeah that's a very good way of, of putting it and i mean i think a lot of that comes together in the fact that the game itself was very simple now the way it works is you have this big castle fort in the middle of the board which is uh, presumably significant in the old tree world and you've turned up in it and you've got to try and get your business in order and the way that works is you've got a little grid in the middle of the castle that allows you to to make buildings and you can basically make new buildings that are going to give you bonuses and then you also can be like reinforcing the walls reinforcing the towers and trying to do things to defend your little fort 
So this is kind of abstracted through a bunch of different meters that you have on the board of like your reputation and your, you know, how solid are the defenses of your castle. And there's things you can do to make those things go down and up. And the main thing outside of that is you've got things outside of these walls. You've got this big, um, all these sections around the outside of the board that are like the lands that you are in charge of, that you are like charged with looking after. And within these, you have these different decks of cards that are face down with these beautiful card backs that just give you a sense of roughly what the thing is going to be about. And they're all events. They're all things, right? They're all ostensibly problems that exist in this area. And the idea is that you have to get through these little decks of problems. And when there's no problems in the land anymore, and when you've put up a little corner tower in the little part of the map that is next to that little section a little like tower on the corner of your castle to look over it you then like secure that land and it's like it's completely safe new problems can't arise there and each of these different i think there's eight around the board um each of them give you the ability to get a resource or a do a thing so they're all like basically action spaces that you can go to and if you can completely free it up and there's no big problems anymore or little problems because i've done that there's, there's basically like it's odd right because you've got like actual problems that appear as well you've got different cards where it's like yeah something bad has happened here but it does frame the other things as being just like maybe just things that i don't know what it is is it like your politicians going around shaking hands and kissing babies it's like they're not i think it's is it, i don't, is I don't it quite called, understand is it called rumors or something and the idea is that like you've heard about something or seen something in the land because i think the idea is that like you're in this castle and you have a fiefdom around you and your job is to protect the people around you like it's a very benevolent version of feudalism where you are actually right. actually committed to helping the people around you and i think that that's the fantastical world that this is so you uh, pop out of this castle fix a problem for someone because you've heard that there's something there or you've seen something going on and you've got this lovely thing where your aim is to get rid of these guys there's also a specific plot aim for each um mm-hmm. for each specific mission that you are on but mostly you're trying to secure some of these areas and clear away the crises which are these little rumors that are building up but if there's like three dodgy things going on in one place oh no that's bad like nothing nothing more can happen there but it's bad that things but bad things will start happening to you you'll start drifting towards losing the game um so you've got a jump on the problems it's got this really nice thing where like you you only have two actions a turn is it two or three actions a turn yeah like two actions a turn is absolutely nothing and one of those will be moving one space but the castle is a giant space that is touching everything else yeah so it's like you can get anywhere by the end of your turn you can always get anywhere on the board by the end of your turn but it is your entire turn and everything could have got worse by the time it's your turn again yeah like that's so simple yeah 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 and it has that it means you're constantly in that zone of being like, but I've almost finished dealing with all the problems here. Surely I should just do that. And people are like, no, but we need to go over there. And you're like, okay, well, I'm sure that more problems won't come here while I'm away. <laughs> and then you do you leave and it's like, oh no, they yeah. have. So it has that it's that, you know, I think the same reason that pandemic is great, because it has that thing of like really the decisions you're making are just constantly like, should I finish here what I'm doing? before I come over there to do the thing that we need to do now or should I stop doing this and do the other thing yeah. and that is the crucial like decision that you keep having to make and keep being proven either lucky or wrong <laughs> in regards to how it pans out and it is and, just luck right because yeah. like when new things come out you just roll a d8 and it tells you where where it's uh-huh. going to go like there's no 
there's no like control over what's happening it's just you can get lucky or not which is nice there's also the start of your yep. turn you roll a different dice a d6 that tells you how far along the uh story meter oh, goes yeah. to go to a different card that might add in a different <laughs> hazard or add in a and but you never know quite what's going to happen and that's also the timer no. for the game because it'll slowly be opening the cards in this book to reveal stuff um the rumor cards are really lovely because it is just this thing like i think you you, you kind of uh, touched on this a little bit but just this thing of like you'll have a deck that's for the particular scenario you're doing but also those can be mixed up separately and there's actually quite a lot of variation in Mm -hmm. that but you take a deck and it's like full of things and it'll be like oh look there's one called a shady tree and another one called a shady tree and it's like oh no have they repeated the events it's like no the backs of those cards is different so you're looking at something and trying to guess what it is now this is gonna run dry a bit if you keep on (laughs) rinsing this game and play lots of it because like eventually you're gonna know oh yeah the shady tree is either this or that but actually it's like oh oh what possibly could be happening in the like ghostly cemetery over there like is it gonna be zombies Uh or is it going to be a grieving woman and you never know what it's going to be yep. and you often yep. you have these choices for how you're going to get into things sometimes like random things will pick up on random people it's all so simple and it's all so light touch like we're both getting really excited and evocative which i'm really glad about because i sent this to you with an amount of like i played this when i had just as i was like coming down with covid and I absolutely loved it. I think it might be great. I, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it might be awful. And like, I was really prepared for you to be coming on this podcast and just going like, Ava, what is wrong with you? Because it is so simple. But I played this really close to playing Tales from the Loop, which is one of, there's a lot of these games that are basically, you go to a place and you solve an event and then that triggers changes on the board. And then when you've done enough of those, you go you further together down the story. And you have a nice time. Yeah, like cooperative open world almost exploring story games and the contrast between this and tales from the loop which had loads of like really long complicated cards with really intricate story and such careful world building like beautiful aesthetic and all of that but it was quite hard work and it took a long time and like i had to keep on digging into the rule book to find out exactly how something worked in this very specific situation that was created by this big elaborate set of rules that meant and like it's cool in how different that is but Ultree was just one line of dialogue, one little bit of story, and yep. you are filling in all of the gaps yourself. It's that horror movie thing of not actually and it was seeing so, the monster. It was so fast yeah. as well. It was so fast in the fact that like th- your turn is just two things yeah. and then roll a dice to see uh, what's going to happen in between your turn and the next turn. But it meant that when we were playing it, we kind of got into a zone with it and we'd be getting through rounds in like a couple of minutes. Yeah. It'd be like, dun, dun, roll, dun, dun, roll. I think it was that thing of like the turns for the players were so quick that there was never a moment to have that pandemic thing of again going, uh, what do we do now? What's the next bit at the end of the turn? You know, being like, what's the next? When you start to forget, like, what do we do here? Yeah. Do we draw this first or this first? It was just like, bam, 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 yeah. bam, 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 new story. And I thought it was really smart, even though it was random. It was semi-random. The way that you have this little track that you alluded to of like different things that can happen at the start of your turn. You always, when you, if it doesn't matter what number you roll, it's like one to three, you always stop at the storyboard yeah. again. So you always go back to the start and have to stop there and another story page happens. But then the other things that can happen are a new just rumor appears, which is like not really a big problem, but again, could be a problem if you're going over into a high number category that makes an area unsafe because there's just too many bloody things happening in that area. 
that's one too many uh, celebrations or babies. Now it's dangerous because uh, some of the cars do just say like a celebration or, or suggest that someone's had a baby. And it's like, it, what is that a problem? Do we need to go over there and be like, excuse me, we've just heard that you're having a baby like excuse me could you keep it down it's a thursday night i don't want you having a party but isn't that card something yeah the celebration ones can be weird and again i'll come back to that in a moment but some of the things can be like real problems that like you've got to go and actually fix something something's actually really negative you can't use that space until you've fixed it and so because of that though like we kept having new rumors appearing they kept rolling in a way that meant we just kept skipping the problems and we actually wanted some big problems to happen because we had bonuses that allowed us to get bonuses from dealing with problems but there weren't any problems and i can imagine you play another game where you just have loads of problems (laughs) and like you know so that added some variance within it because of the kind of semi-random nature of it and the way that we were just rocketing through the story faster than we'd liked was interesting. You didn't have that like, oh no, but we're going to reliably wait and then we'll progress the story. It was just like, it's going to happen and you can try and get ready for it, but you might not have time. It might be like, oh, it's too late. The dragons has gone somewhere else now. Job done. It was kind of chaotic, but I think what makes it land for me is actually because you're talking about how it's like a recognizable world. What I liked about it is it didn't have the madness of uh, something like the excellent video game King of Dragon Pass in which you're put into something which is ostensibly a traditional fantasy world, but then it has its own deep lore, again, from like books and stuff and IPs before it. This ridiculously deep and sticky lore that is just bonkers. And as you play the game, you think, okay, I'll make this decision. And the game slaps you on the wrist and goes, don't be stupid. This is how this works. And you're like, what? And... It doesn't have that kind of alien medieval world, but there's bits of it that kind of are. There's things that happen. Like in the one campaign I played, there were things that happened that I didn't expect. There were beats in the plot that were like, oh, okay. There were, you know, the fact that like, it's a celebration. Okay, cool. And then it turns out and it's like, something really nasty happens. And you're like, oh, okay. That wasn't what I was expecting. That I think that lands some forgiveness because a lot of the cooperative nature of this game game comes from the fact that as your characters you're just slightly better at something like maybe you're slightly better at fighting maybe you're slightly better at uh understanding and knowledge maybe you're better at like fixing things and it means that you'll have tasks that you won't know exactly what it's about but you'll kind of think well i feel like that's something that my character is probably going to be better at doing than other people but then you go there and you might look at the card and you're not right but i didn't get frustrated about that because you have that sense of this uncanniness of being like i don't quite understand this world and it didn't feel like a game of failing it felt like a a failure of mind to pass the reality that we were kind of bumbling around yeah well i mean it's almost like you go in it emulated quite a lot the fact that it's possible to just go into a situation thinking that it's something and it actually not be that right of like uh-huh. actually yeah when you see a couple fighting in a tavern like there's so many layers to what could be going on there and like this doesn't tell dark or nasty stories but like yeah it allows you to approach things in different ways and not knowing it It does the thing where the other player has to read the stuff and they don't say what the actual rewards are so you never know quite what's going to come from it and some of it is like you could really clearly see there's a way for either of these things to go badly and I've just got to pick the less bad option mm-hmm. and then it turns out that like oh yeah that thing was actually made of gold so everything's great and yeah I don't know 
it really felt evocative of something to me yeah. and the discussion around the table yeah, and what you were talking is, yeah. about felt like you were people who were trying to be heroic in simple ways like one of the stories that we played was about like oh my word a ghost has showed up in the castle what are we gonna do and it just turns out the ghost is really depressed <laughs> <laughs> that's very relatable. very relatable but that's it it's like it's that like slightly unpredictable storytelling and then the fact that often you have these like stories that are like the main campaign thing that you go through but then you have these side missions within it so we had a thing where i'm not going to go into too many details but we had a dragon flying around causing all manner of nonsense and it was like there's a dragon and you know it's like in addition to that we'd had a gnome turn up and he was very keen on horticulture and he really wanted us to clear some areas from to some gardening and it's like this hilarious thing of being like on the one hand we need to have a think about this situation with the dragon on the other hand this gnome is going to be quite angry if we don't get in some gardening space and the fact that those two things we had to do were kind of of equal importance within the game felt like probably actually what it's like to run a local council you know it's like (laughs) in a medieval land but it was it was fun and 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 kind of silly i should also point out that yeah in addition to the fact that you've got like i can't remember if it's like four or five different like actual story things and then a bunch of different side things you can have to do whilst doing those stories that will spice it up because i think the first time we played it we completely failed the story we did a terrible terrible job of it and i do think there's probably appeal i would happily play that story again with some different aspects around the edge of it because even though i kind of know what happens and what can happen it was an enjoyable little arc and there's also a bunch of these different cards so that we only played we had a very like super bucolic version of of the game and the fact that we you know we just played with the green and yellow event cards which i i know that there are like event cards that have like gray black on the back that are clearly like a little bit more on the grim side. Did you experiment with any of them at all? Um, I can't remember. I think they were like a little bit more thematically connected, but it's more about, uh, I don't think it's about like difficulty and grimness necessarily Okay. from what I saw, but also I can't quite remember. Like there was a lot of different no, writing fair and the, the card backs were really lovely and it recommends the, those, the green and yellow for your first game, doesn't it? So I imagine those are the yes. simplest. Yes, Everything else, nothing ever gets like really complicated, but that you get a few more of things where it like feels a little bit um like you have to make a choice and making the intuitive choice turns out to be wrong um for reasons that yeah. are interesting or like you have more it's more likely that like even if you do the thing well you're still going to take some damage and stuff like that so and all it, yeah it's just so light touch that I was still really excited to go into those things. I don't think it'll last forever because I think that there's only so many Chronicles yeah. and there's only so many of these decks. You are going to be able to learn some of these cards after a while. Um, and yeah, it's not going to be something that lasts forever. But the time I had with it was delightful and felt like one of yeah. the nicest storytelling cooperative experiences I've ever actually had outside of an actual role-playing game. Because it really felt like we yeah, were just sitting yeah. and chatting and not, you were thinking about the game, but you were thinking about the game on the level of like, oh, it, should I stick around here and get some more wood for this stuff later on? Yeah. Or should I come over there? Or can you deal with that problem so that I don't have to do that? And then I can like hammer this for a little bit more. And it's all like, it's simple, practical discussions. It's not like, you never have to ask, like, oh, how exactly? does this work or how exactly would you do that um it was always you always knew the outcomes it was like chunky decisions with vivid outcomes is how i'd probably describe it like it's very simple but 
but it just gives you the space to have fun with it and get into it like but it, i think it's quite telling that like after we played with these yellow and green cards right which were like the kind of more low level perhaps well, you know the introductory ideas of like problems that you might have to deal with in your area or like rumors and then the fact there are other colors and i remember seeing one of the colors being this like gray black kind of almost plague looking stuff and i would say that i don't think this game will be like in any regard like zack schneider dark i think it's like <laughs> lord of the rings dark maybe yeah. it might get to a little bit like I... oh worrying things but i was when i looked at these cards i was like i kind of want to get a sense of what these gray dark looking cards might be like in contrast to the ones that we played with and when i flipped them over and started leafing through them i was quite surprised they didn't have pictures on the other side they just had text and i was like oh and i was like hang on a minute the ones we were playing with didn't have pictures on the back but i think it had done such a good job of conjuring up stuff that my brain had like imagined that there were pictures and not just a sentence and i think that says an awful lot about how well it is doing what it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. That's really, that's really nice because it is that evocative. I do have images from that world that definitely weren't from the cards because, yeah, they were, they yeah. were just text, and that's that's a really, really strong selling point. I think it's also, I suspect that this is a, a decent family game. Like I think it is simple enough yeah. that you could play this with with younger kids. You probably have to do some more of the reading for them, but but they should be fine. And I think it's probably intended for a family with some people who are all a little bit into this fantasy world and able to kind of like jump into that. But in terms of a game that is still really interesting, like I wasn't playing this with kids. I was I was playing it with like a middle aged man who's con- convinced he's a hipster. Um, but like it was. It was lovely. That's for the record. That's not me. <laughs> Just for the record, that's not me. Even though that is also a perfect description of me. That's purely coincidence. I played this with Tom and Quinns actually. I think we all enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it most out of yeah. all of us. I think they were both like, "Yeah, this is nice." Wait, no, stop the podcast. Stop it right now because this is Tom doing an incredibly unprofessional addendum to this podcast. Because yes, I had a nice time. Yes, Quinns had a nice time playing Old Tree, but that's not because we enjoy the game, it's because we enjoy each other's company. I truly believe that no part of our good time was actually to do with the quality of Ultray. Ultray was, or Ultree, was absolutely fine. It was passable, it was decent, it was okay. I would give it a five out of 10, straight down the middle, maybe even a four out of 10 if I was feeling especially mean. I don't think there are any really interesting decisions in this box. You go to the areas to sort out a problem and you either have that stat on your board or you don't. And what stat is tested is completely random because the card backs might say something like, ooh, it's a spooky dungeon. And you turn up and there's a lady in front of the dungeon who's like, all right, mate, can you spare a quid for some beans? And you're like, well, what about the dungeon? You told me there was a dungeon. And she's like, oh yeah, I put a big dungeon sign here as a clever trap to draw in wealthy adventurers. Except she doesn't say that. She doesn't say anything like that at all because none of the writing to me was characterful or interesting or evocative. It was just boilerplate fantasy writing. So you go to a location and you do not get an exciting narrative experience or a compelling gameplay experience. So you're just doing the motions of a cooperative game without many decisions more complicated than I go here and roll a dice. And because all the stories are separate cards, none of them link together. You experience an event, but the events are dull, and the consequences will be something like gain one resource if you succeed, or lose one health if you don't. I don't get it, Quinns doesn't get it, we don't get what these two saw in this game, and and that's why I'm doing this uh, pod addendum. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, it's easygoing. Yes, it's simple. But I think it's pretty vacuous. And that's my piece. 
Whoa, uh, I've entered there. Um, I did get Matt and Ava's permission to stomp on their opinions in this, but by the way, I felt compelled to speak. Uh, and, and, and now the podcast can resume. Yeah, I'd play this again. I'd play this again a few yeah. times. Like, And I think you're right. I think after you've maybe played it four or five times and, and seen all of those big storybooks, then I think that's the point where maybe you're kind of, you know, maybe done with it. But at the same time, like, I feel like actually if you're going to get a game, a co-op game and get a good five sessions out of it, like that's half a campaign of, you know, halfway to a campaign of like Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. And you haven't destroyed the game. So really, that's not Yeah, bad you haven't it. destroyed it. And it's a lovely thing to pass on to some people because I think a lot of people would be able to get 100%. really into this and just, yeah, just be a thing that you can keep on passing on forever. Um, yeah, I um, I was, yeah, I, feel, I worried that we've now done the thing where we're starting to sound much more enthusiastic than it necessarily deserves because it is just, this is a simple thing that does what it does very well. And like, it's not yeah. going to end up on any lists of the best games of all time um it no. might just about scrape in as one of the better explorative story games um i've, I've not seen anything that's in this exact genre that like nails it so cleanly but yeah ultra i i know that you played it and you were like i really like this and you sent it down to us so we could check it out and it you know I've left it with Tom to send it back to you, as I promised I would, so you can play it more. Because you just want, you're like, I really like this. Can you send it back after you've had a go? And I have done that. Part of me was like, oh, I would like to play a bit more of it. But it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to find time, though, are you? I think where I'm at with it is after we played it, I was like, actually, Tom, before we pack it away, can you film some B-roll of this? Because I feel like it's the kind of game that I'm going to want to recommend as a, like an alternative yeah. within a review. I couldn't quite find the passion there. Outside of the passion, I think, for like, you know, the, the, the visual design um, to like really give it the full review treatment. But it's definitely something that I want people to know about and want people to have as an option. And if you love co-op games and you love fantasy and, and getting into stuff, I think it's really worth yeah, a look. Yeah, yeah. It's very definitely. cool. And that wraps up this episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then you can keep listening to the podcast every week or you could tell people about it. Or you could like write on your hands uh, across your knuckles. I L I K E P O D. I like pod <laughs> across your knuckles. It won't be terribly clear what you're trying to say to people, but you could do that. I would just like to co confirm for the listeners at home that Matt did check on his knuckles whether that was the correct amount of letters for a set of knuckles. It's the only way so to count to eight. Don't, don't worry, that's absolutely shut up and sit down recommends writing that on your knuckles do it why should you just why not don't do it with a pencil doesn't work thank you very much for listening we'll see you next week goodbye bye